Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. Nailed it. I'm Liz Loza and a quick reminder... Y'all can sign up for Fantasy Football right now over at Yahoo Sports. It is the last weekend before the season, so come on, do it. You know that you want to be distracted by something other than 2020 right now. And because we are about to roll into just less than a week by the time you likely listen to this podcast into the 2020 NFL season, we have a spectacular guest. My friend, Jen Ryan, she's a contributor to Sportsline. You can hear her on Sirius XM Fantasy. What's up, Jen? Not much. I'm excited to be here. I can't believe football's finally coming. And you should know, Liz, and this is not a joke, I have two live drafts uh, on Yahoo on Sunday and then another one on Wednesday night. Awesome. I love to hear that. And actually, one of the drafts that Jen is talking about on Sunday is one that she and I are both in. It's a 14-team super flex half-point PPR league, so Labor Day weekend, last holiday weekend, really until the end of this abysmal year. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jen, what are you doing anything for this weekend? Are you just like cramming for your drafts? Are you doing anything fun? Are you, what's what's pop? Are you going to the shore? No, I know better than to go to the Jersey Shore right now, especially on a holiday weekend during COVID. Uh, no, I'm I'm Fair working point. still full time, so I'm going to take Monday to myself and uh, let that be my Monday fun day where I get all my fantasy spreadsheets updated and ready to go. And you're going to drink some skinny margaritas in between and maybe like flushing a little bit of Housewives. Oh my gosh, have you seen the Bravo Beverly Hills Housewives reunion? You need to. Stop. It was so good. I can't believe it's a three-parter. I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, all right. So enough of that. Let's get into some football. Like I said, it's the last weekend before the regular season kicks off. All you have is drafts. That's it. Like Jen, your Monday fun day, forget Sunday fun day, your Monday fun day is cramming for the season. We've already prepped you with a cram season, but now is the time to talk about any news that popped up, any Yahoo Fantasy alerts that crept into your phone, how it might affect the teams you've already drafted, or if you're on the hunt for some sleepers to get a one-up on the rest of the, you know, lugheads in your your league. So we're going to talk about draft day steals and sleepers, but first the news. Um, So uh, (laughs) let's play... A little, we're going to play a couple of games today. Should we play a round of sleeper or hard pass? Because Leonard Fournette, who was initially released, right? And that was the news, was a hard pass for a lot of us, especially at where his 
fourth, third, third, fourth round ADP was being um, leveled. And now he's been signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which makes anyone who was still on Rojo Island even thirstier than they were before. So I have to ask what your thoughts are about this new Tampa Bay backfield and if you had drafted Fournette in any of your leagues prior to him being released and then acquired elsewhere. I I have very limited exposure to Fournette prior to the trade news. I was never super high on him. In terms of this entire backfield, Fournette at any ADP in particular – hard pass for me. I want nothing to do with it. The committee's too much. Um, I'm not interested in in watching Bruce Arians give three different guys, you know, six to seven touches a game uh, until they figure out who's the best in pass pro, because I think that's really what's going to separate one from the pack. I just want nothing to do with it. You make an excellent point about pass pro because when Tom Brady, who despite being the GOAT, is 43 years old, you want to protect that particular asset to your team. Um, I, you know, just in case people aren't aware of the the bodies within that committee, we've got Ronald Jones, right, who is now entering, I believe, what his third year, uh, third or fourth yeah. year in the league, Big right? Hype train for him too. Always a hyped up guy, and it just never panned out. Nope, surely hasn't. Doesn't play to his size. Um, you know, has trouble converting in the red area of the field. Matt Harmon did once say, and I thought this was really spot on last season, that Bruce Arians came out of retirement to start Peyton Barber ahead of Ronald Jones. So I'm not quite sure why everyone believed that Rojo was the answer. They had Keyshawn Vaughn, who's the rookie, uh, out of Vanderbilt. I've talked about his skill set and how I thought it was wholly average. He clearly is not ready for a larger role. And you know what? No knock. He's a rookie. It's a weird offseason, abbreviated offseason. So that does make a bunch of sense sense. The team added LaShawn McCoy, who was a scratch during the Super Bowl, um, but a pass catching back. And we do know that Bruce Arians has an affinity for these veteran pass catching backs, a la Chris Johnson, who was uh, played and started in front of David Johnson. We remember that, right? Until he he broke his leg and then David Johnson became the uh, flash in the pan, although, you know, he's working on his comeback effort this year in Houston that we knew a couple of years ago. And then finally, Leonard Fournette. Biggest problem with Leonard Fournette, Andy made this uh, Andy made this point and, and threw out this stat during the cram session, 100 targets. That is how many targets that Leonard Fournette drew in 2019. How many touchdowns through the air did he score? A zero. Also, we'll add that Ronald Jones had zero goal line carries in 2019 as well. So I don't know who's scoring the touchdowns, but it doesn't look to be this backfield. Yeah, keep, keep me away from it, honestly. I, I just, just give me the receivers. Uh, I'm not interested mm-hmm. in the run game here. So you don't believe that um, Leonard Fournette is going to emerge as the starter by week three or four and that the argument we used, or some, I should not say me, that some used for him in Jacksonville, the volume argument is one that is applicable in Tampa Bay. I mean, look, is he going to be the starter? I don't know. Is he going to have the majority of the touches? Maybe, but he's he's coming off the field on third down. Um, you know, I don't. we're not going to get these 20-touch games from him. It's like the Bucks are playing fantasy football and hoarding all of the running backs they can, and they're just going to keep him on the bench and stash him and, and see which one, you know, pops. And uh, I'm not interested in playing fantasy that way. I, I think you're totally right. I agree with that summation. Um, last thing I want to say, and I, I've thought about this point a bunch, Tom Brady 
is going to have some say because we aren't 100% sure if this is Tom Brady's offense or Bruce Arians offense, right? Like it's a collab, but I'm sure it's not a, a normal collaboration in terms of percentage between and Tom Brady is used to having a carousel at the running back position coming from New England. So I have to imagine he's going to have some say. And if if he doesn't like Rojo fumbling at the goal line and he doesn't like Leonard Fournette not being able to average a decent amount of yards per carry, then I don't know how this is going to work, right? There, there, I, 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 don't, I, th- I think you're absolutely right that they are just trying to, Tampa Bay, cull as many resources as possible to you know, solve a, this is a a quantity solution over a quality solution. 100%. And it's, it's indicative. They are all in this year. And, and look, whatever back is in there, the first time Tom Brady gets sacked because of a blown, you know, block and he gives this kid, whoever it is, a dirty look, they're going right to the bench. Uh, So I don't, I don't want to play fantasy that way. So even if there's no way like Fournette, this backfield or Rojo, both ultimate fades, regardless of how late you could theoretically get them. No, I mean, of course, it depends on the round, right? Uh, you know, if, if Fournette is somehow sitting there in the eighth round in a draft, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to draft him. But the, the guy I was looking at was Dare, and, and now, you know, I feel like he's a cut candidate. So I'm just kind of, I'm just staying away from it. Love it. All right, let's talk about, we were talking about the Patriots, obviously, because of Tom Brady, but Bill Belichick named the team's new starter. This is a shock, Jen. I don't know if you know this um, at all, but Cam Newton, it was quite a battle. Quite a battle, let me tell you, between Cam Newton and Jared Siddham. It was not a battle, but thank you for uh, the media clicks. Cam Newton gets the Pats job. Uh, is he a sleeper or a pass for you? Everyone who's listening pretty much knows where I stand on this. Uh, for me, he is beyond a sleeper. Uh, he, uh, I think he has top five potential. I have... I have my own money on him for comeback player of the year. Um, when he was, when the Patriots signed him, I was just most upset that I couldn't get 20 round cam shares anymore in best ball. Um, I can't believe people doubt him. Uh, he's Cam Newton. Belichick wouldn't have signed him if he wasn't healthy. And his, his biggest role and contribution in fantasy football is he's the goal line running back. Uh, I don't, I don't know what's not to like there. Uh, give, give me cam all day. I totally agree. He's my QB 12 heading into the season in terms of positional ranks. Um, I also think that he's on a one-year bare minimum deal. So, of course, he is going to be leaned on or his mobility is going to be leaned on. And also, that is the one advantage, offensive advantage of modern day football that Bill Belichick has not been able to toy with or lean into over the past 15 years because that has not been part of Brady's repertoire. And so now finally, when you look like I'm sure in your rankings, the top, the first eight quarterbacks that you have are all probably mobile guys, right? Hundred. I mean, it's it's such a it, it's such an asset in fantasy if you're a dual threat running, uh, dual threat quarterback in yeah. the in the modern era of NFL. Like that is look at Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. I mean, all of these guys are mobile threats. The college game is producing. I, I mean, I think on a, like a larger conversation, right? The college game is producing defensive talent at such a clip and. That um, inventory of talent far outweighs the offensive line talent that's being produced. So you need quarterbacks who can evade a rush because these defensive ends are coming for you. Sure, and and the ability to RPO. I mean, you you see it with, with so many of these guys, and it's like again when when everyone's oh Cam is cooked, Cam is this, and I'm like, 
you were looking at an injured Cam Newton last year on a team that kind of didn't want him anymore. Like, like, please, like his MVP seasons are not that far behind him. He's he's a total stud. I, I cannot wait for Cam Newton this year. I totally agree. And you're right. The fact that we can't get him as late anymore is such a bummer. But I mean, I'll still take him in, in round 14, especially in a super flex. So now I know one of your targets. Uh oh. Sounds <laughs> like we're both going to be reaching for that second quarterback. Um, all right. Let's talk about the immortal Josh Gordon, who is back for another year. Yay or nay for you? Nay for me. Uh, I've seen this movie before. Super talented. Don't get me wrong. It just never pans out, uh, especially on that offense. I mean, I still love where Metcalf and Lockett are being uh, drafted, uh, you know, relative to how they're probably going to wind up at the end of the year. When I'm looking at the Seattle Seahawks offense, I, of course, want Russell Wilson. Lockett, Metcalf, not really looking at much outside of that in the passing game. Fading, Gordon, fading the tight ends. Tell me, because you you bring up an interesting point between Tyler Lockett and um, DK Metcalf. And on my Instagram, uh, every Wednesday, I have a would you rather. So would you rather Wednesday? Because I noticed that Metcalf and Lockett were going um, not just on Yahoo ADP, but fantasy football calculator pretty much anywhere within five picks of one another. Which of those two receivers would you prefer? For me, it's Metcalf. Um, I'm very exposed in Dynasty and in my keeper leagues. Love the touchdown upside. But it's like you kind of can't go wrong. It's 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 similar to a Godwin-Evans situation for me. Um, mm. You know, to have to have two wide receivers that could both perform as wide receiver ones maybe on any other team, I, you know, I, I would say this. For someone like me who uh, volume drafts a lot in the offseason – equaled out the exposure uh, as, as you know, spread it out amongst them. If I took Lockett in one draft, I would consciously try to take Metcalf in the next. That makes sense. Um, I will say I I would prefer, well, I'm going to say first, I, I would prefer Lockett, I think, over Metcalf. Uh, he is actually going five spots behind Metcalf. So he's, you know, you can find him half a round later. Um, he did post career numbers and receptions and yards last year, but you have to believe that's largely due to Doug Baldwin's retirement at the top of the season. And I don't see that the work that he did in the red area of the field is going to be continued into this year, partially because, you know, the team doesn't open up the pass as much as we would like them to. And because DK Metcalf, who is such an incredible red zone threat, announced his presence in 2019. So I only have Lockett uh, projected for five touchdowns on the season, but I do think he'll catch over 75 balls and go for over 1,100 yards. Yeah, and I, I think when it's all said and done, the difference between the two in in final fantasy points is going to be like maybe 25-point difference total. When you talk about the comp, and I think it's a good one, between Chris Godwin and DK Metcalf, I mean, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, which of those two are you ranking higher or would you prefer? Of course, you're evening out your exposure, all of that. But of your favorite drafts, which one of those guys did you have? Evans. Uh, Evans really? More so, yeah, more so than Godwin. You know what it is? Evans consistently been a 1,000-yard receiver his whole career. Godwin uh, had a major, major breakout last year. Could he replicate it? Yeah, of course. But uh, I do love Evans' consistency. I cannot wait to see him have a talented and calculated quarterback throwing to him. He's a big guy. I'm probably a little bit biased because um, I really like his uh, betting odds uh, to lead the league in receiving yards. I got him at plus 1,400. 
that that factors into it. <laughs> so you, so you like the line on that one, and you lean into it. Okay, um, I do. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I prefer Godwin because I think his versatility. I like to look at these receiving cores and we've talked about this a lot in terms of like Brian Edwards in Las Vegas and um, uh, Darius Slayton in New York, like which of these things is not like the other. And I think that when I look at Godwin's yak and I think about a 43 year old Tom Brady's arm and I, I just feel like the versatility uh, that Godwin presents, you know, he can line up all over the field makes him more reliable on a week-to-week basis. And I do think there's going to be some touchdown sharing between Evans and Rob Gronkowski initially, not necessarily over the season. I do think, and I've said this a lot of times, that I think, you know, for the month of September, you're going to see a lot of Gronk because that's familiarity. And then as the rapport continues to develop between Evans and Tom, as much as they've been working out on their own, um, I, you know, I, I just feel like you, you revert back to what feels good. So it, that's interesting. I also really appreciate, and I want you to talk a little bit about this because we had Minty Betts on a recent episode and she's uh, the Yahoo Sportsbook um, expert here. Like she is our, she's our sports betting analyst and expert and we had her on for a for a sports betting 101 and you talk about the lines i know you live in jersey so it is free and clear and legal for you um can you talk a little bit and this is off the cuff not on the outline but i know you do it all the time and you love it can you talk a little bit about like some of your favorite sports betting tips or things to look for anything you feel like sharing about how you approach sports betting yeah, absolutely. So rule number one, uh, my grandmother taught me to bet at a very young age. Don't bet it. your team. Do not bet your team. It's going to hurt. Don't bet them to win. If you want to factor in other bets, that's fine. But from like, there's so much fantasy implications that go into it. You know, like you can you can surf the props and, uh, you know, you could see that five quarterbacks have a, 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 a rushing total line like 18, right? the books indicate that they're going to have a bell cow week. You're going to want to think about that. It's a good way to hedge too. If you don't have these guys on your fantasy roster and you're looking to profit on a Sunday, throw some money on a bet on them, right? Um, I, I, I would suggest if you're getting into betting and you live in a state where there's multiple books, uh, do do a little line shopping. See what the odds are on this book versus that book versus that book. It's like bargain shopping. Just make sure you're getting the best line possible. And then like my, my go-to bet, uh, is I I tease home dogs. So what a tease is, is uh, let's say a team is projected to lose by five points. If you tease them, you get six or seven, depending on the book. Now they're projected to lose by 11. Uh, home dogs, they just tend to cover. It's just a trend. So if you go and tease home dogs, it's a, it's a very safe bet. Uh, I think my best, best piece of advice is you're not an expert. Nobody is. If you were an expert, you would not have a day job because you'd be rich off of gambling. Um, <laughs> so just just do as much research as you can and, you know, stick to your limit. If you bust all the one o'clock games, don't go don't go chasing it at the four o'clock games. Just wait until next week. I love that advice. Super. I mean, you guys, Jen Ryan is legit. Always keep it 100. When you're talking about the home home dogs, um, has COVID going to factor into any of this for you? Not all of the teams are going to have fans in the stands. I mean, that's still being worked out. So much of everything is being worked out. Is that factoring into at all how you're approaching different lines of unders matchups, et cetera? I mean, it it should, right? It, it would be crazy not to to factor that into it. Um, it'll be interesting to see too. And and I should say, it's tough to find home dogs. You're not going to find a, a, a weekend slate where there's eight 
home dogs. You might find three or four, and then you pick the ones where you're like, yeah, they're going to lose, but are they going to lose by 14 points? Probably not. Uh, so yeah, you know, home field advantage is eliminated a little bit here, but um, I, I appreciate that question because now you got my brain going and I'm, I'm going to test that theory out definitely over the first couple of weeks and see how it plays out. Well, you're going to have to come back and tell us how it worked out and if you have found any new uh, nuggets to share. Uh, sure. All right. So we're going to we're going to talk about sleepers because that is something we do. It's something I love to do. It's how I frankly started in the fantasy industry. I'm going to find three buzzy sleepers at each position or a buzzy sleeper at each position. We'll see where it goes. Uh, I'm going to start with quarterback and we're going I'm going to ask you if you think this player is a buzz or a bust. I don't think this first player is a sleeper necessarily. So I'm going to give you two, but I did want to get your take on it because he's rather divisive. Tom Brady at the quarterback position, buzz or bust? You know, I, I think he falls in the middle. Is he going to be a total bust? No. Am I buying into huge buzz on him? Not really. I think you're going to get from Brady what you expect, which is going to be a high-end QB2 with some low-end QB1 weeks. But here's the thing. We can't buy into Gronk, Evans, Godwin, and not buy into the quarterback, right? Yeah. So he he's, you know, he, he's not going to have a, a crappy year relative to to other quarterbacks. Um, more more buzzy than busty, I think I would say. Okay. I have him as my QB 11 for the exact point that you're making, because if you do the math and your projections for the other three major pass catchers, then that would all add, add up to fantasy production for Brady. So um, this is a little bit more sleepery. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow for me is buzz because by default, he has to be. There is no competition. He's not fighting for a job. It's not a situation like in, in uh, Los Angeles where if the Chargers are off to like a dead start, maybe they yank Tyrod to give uh, the rookie, you know, some run, right? I mean, he is playing all 16 games. He's got A.J. Green. He's got Boyd. He's got Auden Tate. He's got Joe Mixon. I mean, he's surrounded by weapons. He has to be a buzz. And, you know, if the logic is, well, the Bengals stink and they're not going to win a lot of games, that's great for fantasy because that's yep. just all the more he's going to be throwing the football. Let's move to running back. Um, this is a player that over the past couple days has been gaining buzz and steam via camp reports that say he has created a clear role for himself as a starter, despite the fact that he's a rookie. It's J.K. Dobbins, Dobbins in Baltimore. Buzz or bust? Bust for me, but it has nothing to do with Dobbins and everything to do with Mike Evans. I mean, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Mark Ingram. He is durable. They have no problem letting him tote the rock. They're paying him $3 million this year. I think we're waiting on Dobbins next year. You know, we heard this a little bit about Justice Hill last year in camp, and people were drafting Justice Hill. And then Mark Ingram just, you know, he only splits carries theoretically when you think about it with Lamar Jackson. Love that take. Also very hard for me to believe that the Ravens will move away from something that was so effective last year, this coming year, especially because they did not, in fact, win the Super Bowl. Um, and I will say the thing I like the most about Dobbins, which could allow him more pop only if there's an Ingram injury and also the money, you know. The Ravens are financially committed to Mark Ingram uh, through the year. They can get out of the contract. The contract isn't up, but they can get out of it at the end, uh, at 2021. So, you know, financially, of course, they're going to try to uh, return on that investment. But I will say that Dobbins is, for a rookie running back, ahead of the game in terms of his pass pro. So that is something that I do think, you know, because if, if Mark Ingram were to get injured and you look at the rest of the 
backfield, you've got Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, as you mentioned, and then also J.K. Dobbins. I think Dobbins would be able to very quickly ascend because of his ability in pass pro. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Um, All right. Damian Harris. Buzz or bust? New England. Oh, boy. I almost want to compare it to the uh, Buccaneers backfield. I don't, I bust. I don't, I don't want the oh. New England backfield. I only want James White. I want, uh, you know, if I'm doing the New England backfield, I want James White. Again, uh, I want the guy catching the ball, loving on passing downs. Sony Michelle is still there. He was a first round pick. But when it comes to the goal line, it's, it's going to be Cam poaching all those, those uh, touchdowns. So it's, it's, it's more so, it's, it's not a risk uh, I'm willing to take uh, when I'm drafting them, when I'm drafting players. I like Damian Harris to eventually lead that backfield, though you are right in that James White presents the highest floor. Also, interestingly, James White, the the bulk of his activity in the red area of the field came obviously through the air, not on the ground. So he will, in fact, not be poached by Cam Newton, or at least it's not likely that he will be. So interesting. Um, Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Let's see. Uh, Michael Gallup for my Cowboys fan here. This is not a homer take, and uh, I'll explain why. I'm going to say buzz, and the reason being is Amari Cooper has these donut games where he disappears. He's He doesn't thrive in double coverage. He doesn't thrive against the lockdown corner, and Gallup, you know, while he's got a really nice floor, he booms in those games. Uh, you know, I, I've been saying it since Coach McCarthy said it, uh, not to compare myself to him, but uh, he's a wide receiver one in a wide receiver two role. I was convinced when Dallas was talking with uh, the Jets about Jamal Adams, that they were going to package Gallup right over there to give the Jets the wide receiver one they wanted. Thank God they didn't. But uh, but I, 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 he's he's buzzed for me, for sure. All right. I, I like that. I, you're not worried about – well, obviously, also with Kellen Moore staying on and the drafting of CeeDee Lamb, it is – affirmation of the team's commitment to the past. Not that Zeke Elliott won't be a focal point, but I don't think he's the centerpiece anymore. He's he's the closer, you know. The, I think the I think the Cowboys game plan is we're gonna throw the hell out of the ball. We're gonna go into the fourth quarter with a touchdown lead and we're gonna, you know, Zeke's gonna get his 20 carries a game. I'm gonna say 65% of them are coming in the fourth quarter to close the game out when the defense is tired and they don't feel like hitting him. You know, um, that that's sort of, you know, we're not going to establish the run uh, mm-hmm. in, in Dallas. Um, you know, he's going to close the games out. What about Auden Tate? This is a player. This is a little bit of a nugget. I want to talk about probably further into the season. I don't like his week one matchup. Uh, he's got the Chargers in week one. But and the secondary, you know, even with Derwin James being hurt and and I, off the field. Um, I still don't really like the matchup for, for Tate, but I do think, you know, we're hearing about AJ green, not being able to make it to the field, still nursing through these injuries. There's a lot of, I did this rest versus rust series with Dr. Alex Weber from USC. I'm not sure that AJ green is going to be the, is going to be the player that we believed him to be, or even close to the player that we, we used to, that we are used to. Um, T. Higgins, because new things are flashy things, and because T. Higgins is, to quote Andy Barron's, an A.J. Green replicant, 
he's been getting all of the buzz. But in fact, if you read the reports out of training camp, Auden Tate has secured himself a solid role. He and Burrow are establishing incredible rapport together. And I feel like if A.J. Green can't make his way onto the field or is just a shell of his former self, and we know the rookie is still a rookie, and you've got Tyler Boyd, who, by the way, I love as a floor target in draft. He is going to be Joe, Joe Burrow's um, Justin Jefferson, but on a professional level, solid, solid play there. Auden Tate to me is a very interesting, interesting, like, you know, wide receiver three flex sort of bench guy that you roll out based on buys and, and matchups. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if you're, if I'm in a draft and I have a choice between Auden Tate and T Higgins, I'm taking Auden Tate. Uh, we mentioned the camp reports with the rapport, but also rookies tend to break out in their second year. It's tough in their first year. You know, there was that outlier season in 2011 with that class with uh, it, it was, it was the class that Evans was in where all these rookie wide receivers went off. It just doesn't tend to happen in the first year. That was the outlier season. Uh, I, I really like Auden Tate, and unfortunately, I think we can bank on A.J. Green missing some games. Yeah. Any other sleepers that you want to float out there for people who could be drafting this weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, Noah Fant is a guy I've been talking about all summer. Uh, I, I am obsessed with Noah Fant. Wow. Kind of upside ton of upside i'm expecting sell me girl thing. sell me because yeah. i'm not i'm not sipping the kool-aid you know he's got the 14 yards per catch which you'd love to see with the tight end but just watching him and the way he catches the ball turns and approaches his defenders um he actively seeks the contact and he looks to mow people down it's kind of george kittle-esque i'm not saying he's george kittle but it's a similar style where they look for the contact you do that early on in a game these shorter dbs aren't going to want to touch you the next time you catch the ball um and then I think a guy that we're always sleeping on every year and just don't give the respect to, Julian Edelman, he's being drafted as the wide receiver 34. How? He's 10 targets a game. He's got Camp Newton. Uh, you know, I don't think that's going to necessarily, in terms of offensive output, be a big downgrade. And then a very, very long deep dart uh, for me, Edo Smith. He has a tough time staying on the field, but he is a Todd Gurley knee flare-up away from stepping in to huh. some more snaps on a high-powered offense, and uh, and he's he's free. I mean, you get out of some drafts where he's not even getting drafted. So would you, would you in a standard bench league, not a super deep league, actually draft Edo Smith or just put him on a watch list? Do you think right now he is worthy of a roster spot? I don't, but let me tell you why. That's because in the, in the leagues I play in, like, and this is for anyone who takes fantasy seriously and maybe plays in a home league, it's safe to say that I am more in tune to the news than the people in my league. So on Wednesday, if Todd Gurley has a tweak, I'm getting the waiver claim in on Edo Smith because nobody's really gonna gonna get that news until they get the alert on their phone that you know Todd Gurley missed practice again. You know what I mean? So I, I think if you have him on your watch list and and you're on Twitter and you're paying attention to what's going on, uh, he's going to be a guy where I guarantee you. Uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to pick him up on waivers before your uh, league mates are even thinking about it. So be like Jen, just be better than everybody else is basically. <laughs> no, 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 just do research, <laughs> just do more research. <laughs> All right. So um, because this is the last draft weekend, Jen, you and I, like I said, are drafting together, and that's coming up. So I promise I won't use this information against you. But who's one player you've kind of changed your mind on, whether you moved him up or down, but a player that you're admitting to, you're willing to admit that you were, I don't want to say wrong, but maybe not a hundred percent right, not fully informed earlier in the off season about. 
So I really hope that this is not hard knocks, you know, bias getting in my head, but it's, it's Tarot Taylor. I, uh, yes! <laughs> I know I'm wearing a super flex. So kind of like, Stop talking about it. But you know, like in my dynasty leagues and my rookie drafts, I was taking Herbert. I was like, Oh my God, the Chargers took him fifth overall. There's no way this kid's sitting on the bench. And, and then it's like, you think back to Tyrod's career. He's always been this underdog. He's always been this little guy. He's always fought for the starting role. He's gotten it. You know, he, it's hard to take it away from him. The only thing that's getting him off the field is injury. He's, again, like we said, one of these dual threat. He's dangerous with his legs. And, uh, you know, the Chargers, again, looking at those Vegas lines, they're, they're projected to be, the line on them is an eight-win team. So they're going to be in shootouts. They're going to be playing from behind. He's going to be throwing the ball. And I just want a piece of whoever is throwing the ball to Keenan Allen. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm you- definitely, I'm pushing him up. For sure. I think you incepted me. I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> that you are sleeping in my brain, which feels like it could be a Taylor Swift song. I'm here for it. Folklore. Um, there you go. I, I think I'm 100% with you. In fact, spoiler alert, I'm working on my week one um, fantasy damage super sleepers article, and I've got Tarod because they have the Bengals in week one. I think Tarod is going to light it up. You t- Even with Mike Williams, you know, being banged up, he's got that sprained AC joint. Austin Eckler cannot just cast passions, but he can hurdle over bags like nobody's business. And that's a hard knock shout out. Um, And Hunter Henry only makes quarterbacks more efficient when he is on the field. And we know how much Tyrod likes to uh, target the quarterback position. We saw that in Buffalo with Charles Clay. Keenan Allen is a technician. I love that pick. Another super flex uh, target for your QB two. Very interesting. Here we go. It's Cam and, and, and Tarod. Fourteen teamer, a fourteen team super flex. Uh, I mean, oh my God, God, he's gonna go in what the third round, depending upon when the start runs. Uh, the run probably, starts. Probably, probably. <laughs> I'm gonna say for me, it's DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, I know like Andy really, really loves Swift, and he is he has great instincts. He was, by all accounts, according to many draft Knicks, the most complete runner in this year's draft. But he's got a leg injury, and he hasn't been on the field. And Carrion Johnson, for right now, whether people like it or not, is going to be the team's starter. In fact, Matt Patricia even said that because of the missed reps and the leg injury that Swift has, it will cost him early season snaps. Now, The Lions have the Bears in week one, I believe. So the matchup's not great. But for the first month of the season, also, depending on how this leg injury, you know, there's some new pieces to the offensive line in Detroit. Big surprise. That happens every year. Like, I, I probably didn't even need to look that up to tell you that that was probably on the radar. But there's a lot of moments to gel in in Detroit. There are question marks along the defense. And so... I think that this is a backfield that I'm not interested in, but also I think that Carrion Johnson is being undervalued because everybody's excited at the talent that Swift has and the potential that he has. But I don't think it's going to be realized until, you know, maybe October, maybe even after Halloween. By the way, what is Halloween going to look like this year? I hadn't even thought about that until right now. I'm not ready for the Zoom Halloween parties. Count me out. Oh, no. No. I am ready for those mini Snickers because I've been ready for those since, like, April. Let's be real. <laughs> All right. So that's a that's one of mine. Also, I think we have to talk a little bit about Chris Thompson uh, just because, obviously, he's reuniting with 
John Gruden, I'm sorry, he's reuniting with Jay Gruden and with Leonard Fournette gone, I don't think he's going to see more action necessarily as a rusher, but I do think he'll have more red zone opportunities to the air. And when you look at the Jags defense, which is, I mean, I don't even know who they're fielding at this point. Gardner Minshew is going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think career, I think that Chris Thompson could put up career numbers the last time he did that, if he can stay on the field, because he is he's 29, he's entering his age 30 season. Um, the last time he did that, he was with Gruden in Washington. So I, I think that that's a guy in maybe, but I am only really willing to bite on Thompson in full point PPR. I'm not buying it as much in half point. Right. I agree with you there. Not worth it. He does have those like back in the day, theoretic vibes though. And I, I, I really, really love him in the Jacksonville offense. What are your thoughts on Philip Lindsay? So he's, you know, I hate to use the grit word because everybody uses it, but he like oozes it. Undrafted free agent beats every year. He beats the guy out for the job. He got the job. I don't see him just giving it up. Um, I'm expecting Philip Lindsay to be the starter and uh, retain that starting role. Um, you know, are we going to see a ton of these bell cow games that we, that we crave? Uh, no, no. But if, if I want a running back, uh, from the Broncos, I want Philip Lindsay, and and he's another guy you can get starting into those middle rounds, uh, a potential RB one uh, with a with a later pick, a nice ideal zero RB candidate. Oh, I think that's a great point. I, I think that's an excellent point if you're if you're strategizing with zero RB. I also think that Philip Lindsay at the top of the season, because you look if you look at last year, his efficiency probably due to his size started to wane down the stretch. Um, he did, you know, best shape of our life season, add 10 pounds of muscle reportedly. But Melvin Gordon has admitted to having trouble adjusting to the elevation issues in Denver. Philip Lindsay, local kid, not just a UDFA, but also like a local kid. So his lungs is right. He knows what he's doing. And the first week, uh, I believe the Broncos have the Titans at Denver. So the elevation becomes an issue. Melvin Gordon's also been dealing with a little bit of an injury. So he hasn't been totally healthy. I think Melvin Gordon's going to see the goal line more than Lindsay because they're going to want to protect Lindsay given his frame from that kind of goal line exposure. But I think Lindsay is going to be so damn efficient to start the season. And don't forget the Titans are not going to have Jarrell Casey because he's a Broncos now. So basically week one is a Jarrell Casey revenge game. (laughs) And so I think Philip Lindsay, like I only see him maybe like managing 14 totes at most, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he averages 4.8 yards per carry on those. Yeah, I'm with it. All right. So those are some of the later sleepers. Um, Jen, anything else you want to lead us out with before we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, other than, of course, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for inviting me into this super flex. I kind of, I kind of can't wait to see this all unfold. I mean, 14 league or 14 teams are tough. Uh, and, uh, it's going to be a challenge and, uh, I'm, I'm happy I have it Sunday because my family draft, which is of course the one I really care about is on Wednesday. So this is going to be very good practice for me to be in a super competitive draft with the crew that you put together. Um, so yeah, thanks. You know, as you know, you can catch me on Twitter, um, I'll have an article uh, this season, a weekly prop betting article up on Sportsline. Always over at Football Diehards too. Uh, they allow me to crash their serious uh, radio show once a week during the season, so that's nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me. Absolutely love Bob Harris and the Football Diehards crew. That is, he is an OG of FF for sure. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Jen on Twitter at 
F-F-D-Generate. I'm going to spell it out for you. It's F-F-D-E-J-E-N-E-R-A-T-E. Love that handle. Um, go ahead, read Jen's stuff. She is awesome. She is not just one of the best analysts and sports betting uh, experts in this industry. She's also a friend of mine. I adore her. And I adore the podcasts that we have at Yahoo. We have a lot of them for fantasy baseball action. You should check out Scott Pianowski on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast. You can check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with my buddies Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. He's at SI now. Uh, you can follow all of us or all of fantasy or just Yahoo on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. Andy Barons and Scott Pianowski are going to be back on Tuesday morning. But until then, sign up for fantasy football. Draft intelligently or at least have fun doing it. We're out. I'm Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.